Hey, so I am, I got, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm feeling a little bit distracted this weekend. Um, I had a lot of trouble sleeping last night, and uh, for those of you who know, um, my mom had a seizure uh, really early in the morning on Saturday morning, and she is right now at, at the James, and they're running every kind of test on her to try to figure out what's going on. She She's had cancer for a couple of years, and uh, so, um, if you guys wouldn't mind, would you, would, would you join me in just praying? So come Holy Spirit. We just pray healing over my mom's body. We just ask for any, any of our, our, our family members or friends who are struggling right now, we just pray that you would come and be with them. And Lord, I ask that you would come and, and fill me up with your presence that you would let me be able to focus on your word this morning and the words that you have put on my heart and you would open up our ears to receive what you have for us. In your name, amen. Thanks, guys. So, uh, we're continuing our series in the book of John. And, and I have to admit, this, this series, John has always been... I think my favorite gospel, but I, I hadn't read it in a, a number of years. And, and going through this series has like kind of lit a fire in my, my passion for the book of John. It's just been really exciting. And, and, and last week, uh, Michael talked about John chapter 9. Uh, if you remember, if you're here, and if you're not, I'm, I'm, I'll explain it to you. It was the story about when Jesus healed the man who was born blind. You remember that story? And by the way, it was, it was, it was a great message. It was actually one, I, I'm, I'm, I don't mean this with hyperbole at all. This is one of the best messages I've heard in a long, long time. So if you, if, if you get a chance, uh, you can go to our website or, or iTunes and you can listen to that. But we're going to be looking at chapter 10 today, which, which is a chapter that I was, was pretty familiar with. Um, and I think many of you will be pretty familiar with it as well. Um, but you know what? After the, the, the last week of really sitting in it and, and reading through it and meditating on it and, and talking to the Lord, Jesus like highlighted some really, really cool and, and new and exciting things for me that I am really excited to share with you this morning. I think, I think he wants to impart some really cool things to us through the, the chapter uh, 10 in John. So today what we're going to be looking at is really, it's part two to the message that Michael gave last week. It's a continuation on the story. Basically, chapter 10 starts in the middle of a conversation that Jesus was having in chapter 9. Um, and, and just a bit of, of Bible history for you guys. Uh, you know, when you open the Bible, there's the chapters and the verses. Those weren't added until about 16th century. So those, those weren't in the original manuscripts. So I don't, I don't believe that those are the inspired word of God. And, and sometimes they can be really helpful to, so we can, you know, find, you know, we can reference something or we can find something easily. But sometimes like in this story, they're in a really bad place. Like they put the next chapter right in the middle of the story. So sometimes it's helpful actually to ignore the chapters and verses. Um, so this story, remember, Jesus comes to this man who is, who is born blind, 
and he heals him. You remember he put mud in his eyes, which I do not recommend you do. I'm going to go on record and say that's usually not a good idea to do. But remember, the guy can see after he does it, this miracle happens. And the religious leaders, the Pharisees, are furious about it. And that can be kind of confusing. Like, why are the religious people mad that Jesus healed this guy? Why are they mad? Well, they're mad for a number of reasons. First of all, they feel very threatened by Jesus. They feel like he is undermining their authority. They feel like he is blasphemous, like some of the claims he's making about who he is. They're like, oh, you don't say that. Like, only God can say that. You don't say that. And they feel like he is, you know, shaking things up, which he is. Uh, but the cool thing is, one of the, or the interesting thing, maybe not cool, the interesting thing is the, the biggest reason that they're upset about this particular miracle is Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees say, you don't, you don't work on the Sabbath. You don't heal someone on the Sabbath. So they, they are so furious that Jesus comes and heals this man on a day of rest. And so they basically start this, this, uh, this you know, investigation to find out what happened. They're going to get to the bottom of this. So they go to the, the, the man's parents who is healed, and they're basically like, listen, we don't, we don't have anything to do with him. We've, we've we kind of disowned him years ago. And so they find the man who was born blind. They come to him, and they're like, you tell us what happened. Tell us how it happened. Tell us who did this to you. All, all these questions. And this is paraphrased, by the way. And then the guy says to him, he says, look, I don't know how this happened. I don't, I don't know much about what happened here. All I know is I was blind and now I see. Really simply. And how do the Pharisees respond to this? They kick him out of the, the, out of the, the, out of the temple. They say, you're not welcome here anymore. You're excommunicated. They leave him out on his own. And so Jesus comes back to him. He finds him. He comes to him and says, do you, do you believe that I'm the son of man? Like, do you believe I'm the Messiah? And the guy says, I, I do believe. I believe. And then the, the Pharisees start gathering again, and, and Jesus starts calling out the Pharisees. He says, you know, you guys are the ones who are really blind. You guys are spiritually blind. And that's where the chapter ends. And this is where we're going to pick up in chapter 10 in the middle of that conversation. So there's some, some tension building. And so we're going to start in, in verse 1 in chapter 10, if you need a Bible, on the stage and on the sound booth in the back. Um, or we're going to have it up on the screen. But we're going to just jump right in. So Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper owns the gate for, opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of him, and his sheep will follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. 
Jesus used this figure of speech because the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And to be honest, I don't know if I would have understood either. And Jesus goes on. He starts explaining what he means with this story with the sheep and the shepherd. He says, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is a big deal, what Jesus is saying. There's a lot in here of what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I am the gate. I am the gate. He's saying, I am the way of the salvation. Did you see that in in verse 9? He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. This would have infuriated the religious leaders. He's saying, there's no other way to salvation. There's no other way to having a right relationship with God except through me. Anyone who goes a different way, they're thieves and robbers. But you have to go through me to to, to receive salvation. And also, point blank, he's saying to the Pharisees, you guys are thieves and robbers. So they're getting more angry. And this is is coming to the end of Jesus' life. This is coming to right before they arrest him. And everything is starting to come to a head. And so it's starting to intensify a bit. But let's keep on reading. And he actually takes the metaphor a little bit further. It's really interesting. Verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I will lay my life down for the sheep. See, Jesus is essentially saying, not only am I the gate, not only am I the way to enter salvation, but I'm also the good shepherd. I'm the one who cares for the sheep. I'm the one that they're actually entering into relationship with. Isn't that interesting? He's saying, I am the gate and I am the shepherd. And saying he's the good shepherd has a lot of implications that I want to start um, unpacking today. What does that mean for us today? It's a cool thing. We read it and we're like, that's sweet. He's the good shepherd. That sounds really nice. But what does that mean? And one of the first place we can start when we read something like this, when we read Jesus say a statement like that, um, a a good question to ask is, what, what does this say about who I am? If he is the good shepherd, then who am I? Who are we? Well, we would be the sheep. We are the sheep. And and I want to start by acknowledging that we are sheep. And one of the things that, that, that you need to know about sheep is that sheep need a shepherd. It's not just nice for them to have a shepherd. They need a shepherd. 
So where we're going to start this morning, point one is the necessity of the shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. So I don't know a, a ton about sheep. And so I actually did a little bit of research this week, and I, and I, I, I looked up a, a lot of facts about sheep, and I actually found a lot of interesting things. But I think the, the most interesting thing I, I learned about sheep is that sheep are stupid. <laughs> sheep are very, very stupid. I actually saw a whole list called the stupidity of sheep, and it went down and listed all of these things. And, and they're not. They're not very smart at all. And they're defenseless. They don't, have, they don't have a way to defend themselves. Like They don't have big claws or, or you know, sharp teeth. They're, 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 they're defenseless and they're stupid. <laughs> like, did you know that uh, if a sheep comes up to a cliff and it sees grass on the other side of the cliff, it will, for some reason, walk off the cliff. Maybe because it thinks it can walk on air. Or so, I don't know, I don't know, but sheep are just, they're not very smart. And it's true, like if you release a horse into the wild, uh, it will become wild. If you release a pig into the wild, it will become wild. I mean, this is true for like pretty much most animals. But if you release a sheep into the wild, you know what happens? They die. A sheep will die in the wild because a sheep... It needs a shepherd. It needs a shepherd. And the, the job of a shepherd in, in first century Israel was there's a lot of similarities to like a sheep farmer today, um, but there was a lot of, a lot of differences as well. Um, a shepherd at this time, they would actually live among the sheep. 24 hours a day, they would sleep, they would eat with the sheep, they would be with the sheep all day long, unless they were scouting for, for predators or, or, or you know, the next you know, field where they're going to eat, but they would be with the sheep 24 hours a day, and they kind of comprehensively took care of the sheep in every area of its life. And if you own sheep or if you know people who own sheep, you know that you kind of have to take care of all of its needs. But the shepherd at that time, it would act as their protector. So it would, it would fight off, you know, wolves or, or, or enemies or, or it would protect it from the, 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 the elements like rain or floods. It would act as their provider. Anything that it would need, food, water, all of those things, it would help it find those things. Um, it would be their guide. It would lead it to the, you know, the next pasture or, or wherever they were going. It would be their doctor. If a sheep was sick, it would care for it. It would dress its wounds. It took care of pretty much every need that the sheep had. And in the same way that sheep need a shepherd, we need a shepherd as well. We do. We really, really need a shepherd. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in our culture. I think that's one of the biggest problems that we face today is, 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 is let me say it like this. Deep down, every single human being in the world that's ever been around has, has a longing for a shepherd. Deep, deep down. Sometimes it's, it's we've convinced ourselves that we don't, but it's there. Inside everybody, there's a longing for, for uh, something or someone to give them security, 
to give them identity, to give them purpose. I mean, psychologists, they will say these are our core longings, and it's inside every human being looking for something to take care of it, to protect me, to to give me purpose. But we have convinced ourselves that we are self-sufficient. That everything we need is inside of us. That you are strong enough. You are capable. You can do whatever you put your mind to. We say these things that sound really nice, but they're just not true. They're not true. We believe that we are self-sufficient, but we are not. And we need to realize that. You know, one of the most famous parts of the Bible is Psalm 23. I mean, I think a lot of us are familiar with Psalm 23. It's, it's probably the most famous chapter in the entire Bible. And I, I've done a number of funerals, and I think I've read it at pretty much every funeral I've ever done. They, people always ask me to read it, and I imagine many of you have artwork or things up on your wall with, with Psalm 23. Many of us could, could quote it, the, you know, God, you are my shepherd. I shall not want, and we could go on. Most of us, or a lot of us, would know it, or we would be somewhat familiar with it. And we like how that sounds, right? We like, God, you're my shepherd. You're going to lead me. You're going to guide me. And, and we love the sound of what we've just read in, in chapter 10, that he's the good shepherd. But I don't think we really understand what it, the implications would be to have a shepherd in our life. And to be honest with you, I think many of us, don't really want God to be our shepherd. What we want God to be is our consultant. Really. Like, God, I'm going to walk through life. I'm going to do my thing. And when I need you, I'm going to come find you. Like, if I face a hardship, I'll I'll ask for your help. Or, you know, if I I come to a fork on the road, which I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, I'll ask ask what what I need to do. But other than that, I'm good. We feel like we are self-sufficient and just on certain times we need God, but God wants to to be our shepherd comprehensively, like a shepherd would comprehensively look after his sheep. But we think, God, you know what? I'm good through life as long as I got my smartphone and a roll of duct tape. I I can handle anything. But a sheep needs a shepherd. Like, think about it like this. If we were to take all of the areas of our life, like all of the different pieces of our life, like our spiritual life, you know, our marriage, our our friendships, our leisure time, our sexual life, you know, like all the different things in our life, we were to lay it out on the table, would we be able to genuinely say that, that God is the shepherd of all of those areas? That you are the Lord of all of those areas of my life. That you lead me, you guide me, you speak into all of those things. And my hunch would be that all of us would, would be able to say, well, probably not. Myself included. I mean, I long for that. I want that. But regularly I just see, oh God, I'm not, I'm not letting you lead me in this. I'm doing my own thing. But a shepherd, a shepherd looks after his sheep in all areas. And God says, I don't want you to just give me your spiritual life. 
I want you to give me all those, those, those things. Like, like, God, you know, I'll give you my spiritual life. Hey, and, I, you know, maybe I'll give you my marriage. And maybe I'll give you this. But, you know, my career, I'm going to do business the way I do business. And, and this job, it pays more. Or, or if I do this, I'll, you know, get more benefits. And, and I'm, I'm going to do what I want in my career. And we may not consciously think that, but subconsciously that's my, that may be how we're acting or living our life. Or maybe, you know, you know God, my sexual life is, is me. That's, all, that's mine. And I know your word says this, and this is what you require, but I'm going to do this instead. It makes more sense to me, or I like it more. That's mine. We need a shepherd. We need to give him all of the areas of our life because the truth is, guys, is that we need it. We need it. Sheep need a shepherd in all areas of their life. And, and listen, later on, I mean, Jesus says this again, basically, using a different analogy. In chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and apart from me, you can do a little bit. No, he says, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think it's paramount that we understand this in our lives, that we really get to understand this. And, and not because I think we should be like a bunch of like low self-esteem, like I can't do anything, I'm, life's a bummer like a bunch of Eeyores walking around. We, I think the reason that we need to know is because we were made to be dependent on him. We were made that way. And we, we, can, we, we can accomplish more. We can do the things that God has called us to do if we realize that we are dependent. We can, we, we can be so much more successful and fruitful in our life when we are connected to the vine, when we are listening to our shepherd and allowing him to speak into every aspect of our life. And I think that's why Paul was able to say in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he was able to say, you know, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think Paul was beginning to understand this. To understand that when he was weak, he could go to Jesus and Jesus would fill him up. We can accomplish what God has called us to accomplish when we are connected to him. We can't if we're not connected to him. Let me say it like this. When I moved to Los Angeles uh, about 15 years ago, or maybe about 10 years ago, I moved out there in my, my early 20s, and, and I remember when I, when, I, when I got there, I was really overwhelmed with transportation throughout Los Angeles. If, if any of you guys have ever been there, it is, it's pretty insane. I mean, there's like 30-lane highways, and that's a bit of an exaggeration. But the, the highways are huge, and it's crazy traffic. There are some really bad areas of town that you want to avoid. Um, you know, all the highways have a similar name, like the 10, the 110, the 101, the 1. And it's like, which one was I supposed to go on? And uh, So it was overwhelming, trying to get around the city, especially if you're new and you don't know anything. And, and so 
this was before, right before smartphones came out. So what I would do, every time I would leave the house, I would go onto MapQuest, I would print off the directions of where I was going, I would make sure I memorized it, I knew where, I, okay, I, I'm on this road for three miles, then I make a left, and, and I, would, I would get it into my, like, deep inside my brain, then I would bring it with me, and, you know, I had a map, like, right next to me, um, and let me tell you, I never got lost. I never got lost. And then I started to feel more confident. I started to get uh, like more like familiar with the different areas of town and, and the different highways. Um, and I stopped map questing so much, and I got lost all the time. Like, how, how did I end up in Pasadena again? Oh, I got on the 110. And, uh, and it's the truth. It, and the, the reason why is because I, I forgot that I needed to be dependent. I was getting overconfident. And the same thing can happen in our lives. See, in our lives, when we understand that we were made to be dependent, to be completely dependent, to lean into him like a, like a sheep to a shepherd, then we grow, then we thrive. Sheep need a shepherd, and we need Jesus. But here's the thing. I, thought, I think it was important that we started with the fact that we are sheep. But I don't think that's the point of this text. I think the main point of this text is not the stupidity of sheep. It's the goodness of the shepherd. We don't want to just dwell on, on our weaknesses. We want to dwell on his goodness. And so that's the next point, the goodness of the shepherd. He is good. He's the good shepherd, guys. So what would a good shepherd do for his sheep? We kind of went over it earlier, but a shepherd cares for his sheep. He protects his sheep, you know, from, the, from predators and from the elements. And he leads his sheep. He helps them when they are wounded. Remember, he dresses their wounds. When they wander off, he helps them find their way back. He feeds them. He wants to do those things for us, too. He wants to be our provider. He wants to be our, our guide. He wants to be our protector. Jesus is our good shepherd. Listen how good this shepherd is. I love what Jesus says in verse 10. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's our good shepherd. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to have a full and complete, abundant, rich life. He made you. He says, you are my sheep. You belong to me, and I want you to thrive. I want you to have the fullest life possible. And you may be sitting here, and you may be feeling like, I'm missing out. Like maybe you got a great job, maybe you you know you, you've got the job you've always dreamed of, and or maybe maybe you got the great family and you got everything you want. But so maybe there's there's still something inside of you that feels like it's missing. And Jesus wants to say it's it's because you need the shepherd, and I want to I want to fill that inside of you. 
And, and, and maybe, you know, maybe you don't feel like you got everything and you're missing out. Maybe your life is, you feel like it's a wreck. Maybe you feel like you've made a mess of things or that, that people, you know, maybe someone else made a mess of things, but your, your life feels like it's in shambles. And Jesus says, I want, I want to come and help clean that up. I want to come fill your life, give you a full life, an abundant life. Jesus wants to heal your wounds. He wants to clean you up. I mean, Jesus doesn't want to be our shepherd because he wants to pin us down or he wants to contain us or he wants to, to you know, stifle us. He wants us, he wants to be our shepherd because he wants us to live a full and abundant life. That's what he wants. A life with meaning and, and purpose and security. And remember, the shepherd is our security. He's our security. David says in Psalm 23, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. I remember the staff, I don't know if you know this, but the staff was, was used to guide the sheep around. But the rod was used to defend the sheep from predators or from a thief. And we can take comfort in knowing that Jesus is our great defender. That he is our protector. And part of life to the fullest, part of having that full life, is knowing that we're safe with him. And you know, one of the things that God protects us from is ourselves. Do you know that? He protects us from ourselves. I read about uh, the shepherd's um, in the first century, and one of the things that they would do, and I don't know if, sh if sheep farmers do this anymore, but one of the things that the shepherds would do back then is if a sheep would wander off, because sheep are known to wander off, even though they can't survive if they do, uh, if a sheep would wander off, what it would do is it would take the sheep and it would actually break the sheep's legs. Yeah, it sounds brutal, but, but listen. And it would hold the sheep on its shoulders for weeks until its legs would heal. And that time on the shepherd's shoulders, the sheep would begin to, to hear the shepherd's voice, to begin to hear and understand it and to, to start knowing it. It would start to, to start knowing the shepherd's smell. And by the time his, his legs healed, it would never leave the, the shepherd's side for the rest of its life. See, the shepherd was willing to allow the sheep to have temporary pain to help it avoid, you know, far worse pain, like death. It was willing, and I'm sure it was hard for the shepherd. I'm sure it was really hard for the shepherd. I know as I say that, there's people here who that, that makes you feel like fear. Like fear starts coming, like, well, what's God going to do to me? And I don't, I don't want, that's not what I mean. I don't want you to go there. Let me explain it like this. So a lot of you know I have, I have a, a four-year-old girl named Olive. And I love her to death. She's the best. I really, really love being her daddy. I love spending time with her. She's the best. She really is. And I remember a couple years back, 
she just kept on getting sick, and she wasn't sleeping very well, and she just seemed she just seemed like she wasn't acting herself. And we took her to the doctor, and the doctor said it, it's her tonsils. She needs to get her tonsils taken out. And 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 I and I know getting your tonsils taken out, it's not a major surgery, it's not a huge deal, but I just remember thinking, that's my little girl. And I don't want her to I don't want her to have to go through this 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 trauma, this pain when she she's not old enough to really understand why she's going through it. I can't explain it to her. And it was it was really hard for me. It broke my heart watching the 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 doctor wheel my little girl away from me into the operating room killed me. It killed me. But I knew as, as, as a father who loved his daughter, I was willing to let my daughter go through that temporary trauma, that temporary pain, because I knew it would help her in the long run. I knew it would help her thrive. I knew that she would sleep better, she wouldn't get sick as much. And I was willing to let her go through pain even though it broke my heart. And I know that God, watching his kids go through pain, it breaks his heart. But oftentimes he lets us do it because it makes us stronger. Oftentimes it helps us hear his voice more. We become closer to him through those times. And also, let me, let me, let me add this qualifier. Not every horrible thing that happens in your life is because, because of God. We live in a broken world. We do. We live in a broken world, and there is evil in this world. There is evil. There are evil decisions being made. There is there's awful, awful things. If you watch the news, you, you, you have to acknowledge there's evil in this world that happens. But our shepherd is so good that even when those evil things happen, his promise is that he uses it to help us grow. He can use evil things that the enemy has intended to, to, to hurt us or destroy us, and he is so good that he can even use those things to help us grow. He can't help but win. He's so good. And the other promise is that whatever evil happened to you, whatever horrible thing happened to you, God will bring justice. It's in his nature. He is, the, he is a God of justice. And he will also deliver you through that. He promises that he will. And listen, I promise you that he will deliver you through that. And it might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be, you know, on this side of eternity. But if you read the end of the story, if you go to the end of the Bible, God's promise to us is that one day he's going to make all things new. He's going to make all things right. He is our great deliverer. He will bring you through this. And the other promise is that he will always be with you. That our shepherd will never abandon us in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our pain. He will never forsake us or leave us. He will be with us. I love it. In Psalm 23, 
even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. We don't have to be afraid because our shepherd is with us. He's with us. And, it, it, and it, I love what David is saying here in the psalm. He's, he's not saying, you know, if I, if I happen to find myself, which I probably won't, but if I happen to find myself in the valley of the shadow of death, or he doesn't say, you know, some of you guys might end up there. He says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's an assumption that that's, that's what's going to happen in our life. I mean, there's the, one of the promises in the Bible is that we're going to have trials and hardships. But Jesus, our great shepherd, will never abandon us. He will be with us. And he will use those times to help grow us, to hear his voice, to, to, to you know, learn, and, and a variety of things. He is a good shepherd. Finally, my last point is is I want to talk about the heart of the good shepherd. The heart of the shepherd. If we keep on reading, if we pick up in, in verse 16 where we left off, it says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So what does this tell us? Well, remember, he was talking to the Pharisees at this point. He was talking to the man that was born blind. And, 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 and first century Israel, uh, the, the Jewish people, they had the temple, and they had all of these systems and, and rules and attitudes that were there to keep people out. The, the shepherd was for them. The presence of God is for them. And there's all these rules of, of women can come this far, uh, you know, Gentiles can come this far, and, and all, you know, all of these different rules about who had access to the shepherd. And Jesus is saying, I, I've come for all those people. Those people are my sheep. I want all of those sheep. I, I, they, they might be in a, in a different pasture, but I want them to come to me. And I, and, I, and I think, honestly, if we were to examine the modern church, it's, it's not a whole lot different. We might not have signs that say, say it, but we have attitudes that may say it. Some of our attitudes are, we want to keep the world out. We want to keep the, the, the bad people away. But Jesus says, those are my sheep, and I want them. We're not called to build walls or bigger gates to keep the sheep out. We're called to to invite those sheep in. That's his desire. That's his plan. And do you know know the method in which he wants to, 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 to bring all the sheep? Do you know what his method is? It's you. It's me. It's us. He wants to use us. And I, I don't know if that's the best idea, God, but I'll trust you. That's our job, is to pull the sheep in, not to push them away. He wants to use us. He wants to use you in his, his great mission, his great plan to bring all the sheeps into his pasture. And one of the issues I see 
at least in my heart, and I think probably in most of our hearts, is oftentimes we can look at those sheep and we can think of them as wolves. Right? We think of, of certain sheep as wolves. And, and maybe, maybe for you, the way you, you, you think about your boss. Or maybe your, your old boss. They're not, they're not wolves, they're sheep that Jesus loves. Maybe it's your, your ex-spouse. Maybe it's Donald Trump. Maybe it's Hillary Clinton. Maybe it's, maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a whole people group. Maybe the way we think about Muslims or homosexuals or, or liberals or Republicans or you know, the NRA or, or gun, you know, people who want gun control or, you know, you, whatever. Immigrants, rich people, black people, poor people. They're not wolves. They are not the enemy. They're sheep that Jesus loves. And we need to stop treating them like enemies and speaking about them like they are enemies. Jesus really, really loves those sheep. We need to ask ourselves, how do I feel about them? We need to pray regularly. Give me your compassion for those people. And we need to examine, what are the words that I'm saying? Are words that I'm saying driving a wedge? Is it building a wall? Is it, is it building a bigger fence to keep the other sheep out? Or is it drawing them in? Maybe, maybe it's not the words you're saying. Maybe it's the, the words you're typing on Facebook or the article you're, you're, you're sharing. They're not the enemy, guys. They're the sheep. When, when this, when this uh, talks about the predator that comes in, that wolf that comes in, when, jo- when this chapter talks about that, it's not talking about a person. It's talking about our, our real enemy. Satan and sin and death, that's the wolf. They are his sheep, just like you and me. And listen, guys, I remember when I was in my early 20s, I had walked away from the Lord. I had wandered away from the Lord, and I was, I was a sheep outside of the pen. And I had Christian friends who basically just cut me off. And that hurt a lot. But I had, I had Christian friends who constantly pursued me. And even though it was annoying, they kept on inviting me to church and talking to me about Jesus. And I'll tell you what, it was me finally being sick of it and being like, okay, fine, I'll go to your small group. They loved me. That's what we're called to do. I mean, there's, a, there's another parable where Jesus talks about sheep and he says, you know, I have these hundred sheep, and, and I would leave 99 of them to go find the one that's missing. That's how much he loves that lost sheep. He loves the lost sheep. And you know what maybe one of my favorite things about this text is? So Jesus says when that wolf comes, 
that he lays his life down for the sheep. He lays his life down for the sheep. He says, you know, the hired hand, they'd run off. But I will lay my life down. He says in verse 17, right after, he says, I lay my life down only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. You know what Jesus is talking about here? He's speaking prophetically. He's actually talking about why he came to this earth. One of the main reasons he came, he's, he's talking about the cross. He's talking about what he was going to do a few weeks later on the cross. See, this was Jesus prophetically speaking about what he was going to do, to lay his life down for us willingly, and then to raise it back up. See, Jesus on the cross, laying his life down, it was the way that we could have that abundant life that full life with the shepherd. See, the, the, the truth is, is humanity turned its back on God. We turned our back. We rebelled against him. We decided to do what we wanted to do instead of what we, he wanted to do. And not just big picture, but, I mean, individually. I mean, the, the Bible says that we've all done this. The Bible would call this sin. And that when we turned our back on God, when we rebelled against him, big picture, there was a poison that entered humanity. There was a poison of sin and death and separation and and evil. And we got to be honest. I mean, I know that you know that you have fallen short, that you've done some things that are, are, you know, you regret. The Bible says that we have all sinned, and, and actually the Bible also says that there is a penalty for this sin. It says that the penalty of sin is death. That death is the penalty. And because our good shepherd, because Jesus is saying, he's, he's, he, like I said earlier, he is just. He is a just God. He says, because I am just, I have to be fair. And there has to be a price paid for that penalty, for that, 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 that um, you know, rebellion, that sin. The price has to be paid because I am fully just. But also because our good shepherd is loving and kind and gracious, he says, you don't have to pay the price, I will. I will lay down my life. Even though it was your sin, I will lay down my life. I will make a way for you. He says, I am the gate. I am the way to salvation. And I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And I know that right now there are people here who your heart is is stirring. And you have never accepted that. And Jesus says, all you have to do to get that, all you have to do to receive that is just accept it and believe it. And, and, I, and I believe that you're sitting here thinking, I want that. I want that forgiveness, and I want a relationship with that good shepherd. I want that abundant, 
full life. And right now, I want to give you an opportunity to accept it. So what we're going to do is can we bow our heads? And if you want that right now, I'm just going to say a really simple, quick prayer. And if you want it, just, just you know, in your heart, silently, you can, you can say this prayer with me. Jesus, good shepherd, I, I just acknowledge that I have sinned. I acknowledge that I have done my own thing instead of yours. And I want your forgiveness. I want to accept what you did on the cross. And Jesus, I want to follow you, my good shepherd. I want that abundant life. I want you to speak into my life. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that will play out, but I, I want it. And I'm going to start this relationship with you today. I want to invite you in to my life. So with our heads bowed, if you, if you prayed that with me for the first time or if or if maybe maybe you prayed it as a kid but you didn't know what you were what you were really praying if you prayed that with me today can you just raise your hand just raise your hand just raise it up high okay bless you bless you bless you he can put your hands down bless you okay we can put our heads up If you said that prayer with me, um, can you do me a favor and can you please come talk to me after the service? It would like, it would really honor me and really bless me if you just come say, "Hey, I said that prayer," because I'd I'd just love to connect with you for a minute, um, and it, it would make my day if you would do that. But here's how I want to end. So normally we'd have a time where we would uh, pray for one another and kind of respond to the message. And, and I, and I want to say that if you came here really wanting prayer this morning to grab someone, anyone pretty much that you see around you is able to pray for you. So if you really want prayer, we'd love to pray for you. But what we're going to do is if you've looked around the room, you see these tables. And, and the reason we have them is because I don't think there's a better time of year than, than this time of year to, to introduce people to the Good Shepherd. We're coming up to Easter. It's the time where we celebrate the Good Shepherd laying down his life and raising it back up again. And did you know that on a normal Sunday, about 18% of the country goes to church? So on a normal Sunday, about 18% of the country is in church. But on Easter, as high as 60% of the country is in church. It's a lot more. And about a third to half of those people have no idea where they're going to go to church. And they're waiting for someone like you to invite them. And I know right now there are people in your life, you know, a family member, a friend, a coworker, someone from school, who God is beginning to speak to you and saying, I want you to invite them to church. And if they come... I promise you that we will give them a chance to meet the Good Shepherd. We're going to talk all about them. And we're going to give them a chance to, to, to accept what some of you accepted today. 
And we got to fundamentally, we got to really, really, really believe that, you know, the reason that we invite them to church is not because we want a big Easter service or because we think our church is, is so great, even though I do think this church is great. The reason we would want to invite them to church is because it's a chance for them to meet the Good Shepherd, and it will fundamentally change their life for the better. It'll give them a fuller, more complete life if they meet the, the Good Shepherd. So what, what I want to do is Olivia um, plays one final song is for us to, to go to these tables and write down up to three people that you are going to invite to Easter. And just, and just really, I know, and I know for some of us, we feel like, well, if I write it down, it means I'm going to really have to do it. But, but here's the cool thing, is we are going to, as a staff, pray for every name that is written down. We're going to pray that Jesus starts opening up opportunities for you to talk to them, that there would be uh, the Holy Spirit beginning to call them in, and that there would be boldness. But what I want to do is Olivia plays a song for you to start making your way and writing those and then dropping them in the basket. So why don't, why don't we sing one last song? And we can begin making our way to the tables. I encourage you, if, it's, if, this, if this makes you nervous, just step out in faith that God is going to help you. God is going to give you courage. and goodness 
do just say that you are wonderful. That you are not only a good shepherd, but you are the good shepherd. Lord, and we want to, um, as your people, we want to progressively and more and more in our lives submit our lives to you. All the areas of our life. Lord, we just ask that you give us awareness of the areas of our life that aren't uh, fully given to you. And we just ask by your grace that you would help us lay those things down to you. And Lord, we ask that you would give us your heart for the lost sheep. That we wouldn't uh, have an attitude of feeling like we're better, but we would, we would be on equal playing field, that we are, we are all sheep. And that we would just be telling the other sheep where their shepherd is. Give us your compassion, Lord. Give us your eyes. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. You are the gate and you are the shepherd. We praise you. Amen.